1: Welcome back to this week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris. And before we get into the show, I want to ask you guys to please go to wherever you find our podcast, whether it be iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and uh, like, subscribe, do all those sorts of things that help the show. Give us a rating. If you leave us a five-star rating on iTunes with a question, it'll get automatically answered in our mailbag segment. And I also want to point you to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 network, That's the flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rob Babers. Uh, So, Nick, you've been uh, really busy, I guess, uh, all week Um, before we get into everything. How's it going?
2: It's going pretty good. Yeah, it's been a it's been kind of a busy week, but we love busy weeks in this business.
1: So, Friday night, um, we we had a really busy weekend scheduled for football recruiting. Uh, There was a big tournament in town that was going to kick off Friday night with an event. Um, We had Pass Rush School Saturday and Sunday. We had the USA Football Combine, which we were trying to figure out how to cover all those events. And while I was on my way and you were going to meet me Friday night for the kickoff event, Shaka Smart, Uh, was fired, um, and then you kind of uh, dove in on that and and started doing your basketball recruiting thing. We are going to get into that a little later in the show. This is going to be a little more basketball-heavy than usual. Uh, But before we do that, let's kind of talk about the weekend and and touch the football recruiting page. Um, And it was a big weekend, I think, for Intel for us, um, especially from the True Buzz tournament where I was at. Uh, There were a lot of big-time targets there. Uh, that we were able to talk to you know I, I obviously I think the chief among them and the guy that I probably get the most questions about day in and day out is Evan Stewart spent some time talking with Evan um, and I think right now I you know I kind of mentioned last week that if if you know everything stays calm and nobody gets their feelings hurt and, and they keep pushing I think they can win Evan back and I think that that's starting to happen now I think that um, you know they've refocused and Uh, they're they're kind of attacking that recruitment like new again. I talked to Evan and and he said that the day before the tournament, he had spoken with uh, Steve Sarkisian and uh, Andre Coleman and Brandon Harris, all of them. um, And they kind of just rebuilding the relationship and, and, um, and starting from new Um, Evan does want to take a visit. Uh, You know, he was originally scheduled for, I think the second week in June, um, which he told me he's not going to be able to make now. Um, and he's probably going to push it back to the next weekend, which would be that big weekend we talked about uh, with all the commits. Aside from talking to the coaches, Evan's also uh, been talking a lot to Malik Murphy, the Texas quarterback commit. Um, and he told me, you know, like out of most of the guys he talks to, that's one of the the best friends or, or one of the guys, I guess he gets along with the best. Um, if you spent five minutes around Malik Murphy, you can understand why he's got a great, you know, personality and, Um, just a really easy going dude to get along with, but I think all really positive notes, you know, he's going to push a couple visits to the fall right now. He's planning on going to Georgia and maybe Alabama during the season. Uh, but he definitely wants to see Texas during the summer. So, um, I think things are are going well there. We also got to see Harold Perkins. Um, and and, you know, Nick usually deals a lot with Harold Perkins in that relationship that, that he's built there. Um, but since I was at the tournament, I handled talking to Harold that weekend and you know, it's always good for us to get a second kind of uh, viewpoint on on a kid. And so if Nick's reading something one way, it's always good for me to come in and vice versa and try to get kind of an idea of what he's saying the other way. And with Harold, you know, I think that um, if you listen to him, I would say probably Texas A&M holds the edge um, in his mind. But I would say, and Nick, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I would say that, um, you know, Texas is in it very strong. Jeff Banks has done a great job, and there's still a long, long way to go in this recruitment with a lot of twists and turns.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, Texas, I think, before the uh, coaching change is probably on the outside looking in, Uh, but since this new staff has come on board, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, Jeff Banks, uh, Jeff Choate, um, they've all gone in on Harold Perkins, and they have Texas within striking range now in this recruitment. Like you said, A&M still does hold the lead um and you know we'll kind of see if that changes once you know visit season comes around Uh, but that's going to be a kid that it's it's going to be really important for him to get out on his visits see some schools um he's always been generally wide open um that's why i'm not really considering it you know as a lock to a and m as some like to believe on uh on the twitter nets of the world (laughs) but um uh, i I think there's going to be a lot of schools vying for his uh vying for his commitment you got Texas A&M, Texas. Uh, I think TCU is actually kind of involved there. He actually went on an unofficial visit – or, excuse me, he went on a visit to the campus self-guided while he was in town last weekend. Um, He's also looking at LSU, Alabama. Uh, I mean, he's the top linebacker in the nation. There's going to be a lot of of schools going after him. And like you said as well, it's going to take a long time in his recruitment. It's going to go all the way towards January. He doesn't plan on committing until the Under Armour All-American game on January 7th, I believe that is. So um, it's going to take a while
1: there was a really funny interaction I had. So Omari Bohr was just hanging around. Uh, you know, he lives in Duncanville. The tournament was in DeSoto, so it was pretty close. And um, he was just hanging around and kind of asking me, like, he's like, I've never watched Seven on Seven before. Like, who should I go watch? And I was like, well, Harold Perkins plays for that team. Do you know Harold? And he's like, oh, you know, I've heard of him and all this stuff. So like a little later on, I'm, me and Omari are standing over on another field. We're watching uh, True Buzz, which has a couple Duncanville kids on it. And, um, and Harold walks over, and starts asking me a couple questions about, you know, this or that. And I finally turned to Amari and said, have you guys met each other? And they were just like, oh, what's up, bro? And I was like, I mean, YouTube or five stars and all, so I figured you should just know each other. And then I kind of got them talking a little bit. They got them talking about AAU ball, and I was like, I thank you guys. That Nick had been proud of me. I was like, I think you guys play together, uh, like have played against each other, or at least played in the same tournaments and stuff, uh, according to what Nick tells me. So uh, you know, they got to they struck up a little bit of a friendship there. Um, but yeah, really, really uh, good dudes. And with Amari, you know, I think that that's one where. You know, from Amari's standpoint, he's going to say the right things and do the right things, and I think he will give Texas the right shot, but man, there's just a ton of ground to make up there. If you're the Longhorns, I think that, um, you know, at at best, you're probably behind Oklahoma, Ohio State, and maybe Texas A&M, and you're probably – you know, battling with Alabama or behind Alabama. So at best you're, you're third or fourth, you know, at worst, you could be sixth or seventh in that race. And, um, you know, it's just going to take a lot, I think, to, to really make a move in that recruitment. Um, but he's a guy, obviously I think is, is worth it. I, if you've ever heard me talk about a Mario you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his, but, uh, yeah, I think Texas just has a ton of ground to make up there, but uh, I thought that was a funny uh, funny story. And I got that right, Nick. They did play uh, AAU against each other, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I believe at some point, because they were both at a tournament last year um, at, at the same tournament. I believe it was in Duncanville, actually. But the way I kind of see Mario Bohr is he's Ohio State's to lose at this point. I mean, Oklahoma is right there at the top as well, but uh, Ohio State, I think, has done a really good job with him.
1: All right, and then um, another guy that maybe we didn't expect to see at a seven on seven tournament was there in uh in Devon Campbell who came out to play with TDG elite caught a touchdown pass dunked it on the goalpost uh Mm -hmm. the big man could could really go talking to Devon afterwards he's got a schedule a visit schedule to Oklahoma later in the week I actually went out to Bowie uh to go see the great Joseph Sam who is now the head coach at Bowie uh it was his first week on the job and I told him I'd be there as soon as he was in place um and so I went out and and saw him and um You know, Devon had told me at that point he had scheduled a a trip to USC. And I think there's some panic on our board from, you know, him not scheduling something to Texas yet. I would just say, be very patient. I, Devon's not in any sort of rush. He's not running his recruitment. His uncle who's a high school coach is running that recruitment. And I think, it would be insane to me. Like it, it's very, it would be very hard to believe Devon not taking a visit to Texas, um, not having Texas as a finalist. Not, not and at this point, um, you know, I kind of still expect him to go to Texas. So um, I, I think everything in that in that recruitment status quo. I guess if there was one team I'd worry about right now, it's Oklahoma. Um, but outside of that, I don't. I don't think there's anything major. Um, That was it kind of for the major targets. We did a lot in the stampede on recruiting scoop from that weekend. Nick, you went very quickly. You touched, you were at the USA football uh, combine, which had a couple guys there, Cole Hudson, Malik Agbo. First of all, I told Colin, our good friend um, before, uh, Colin Kennedy from the Oklahoma site before uh, Saturday night, we had dinner after the tournament. And I said, you're going to meet Malik Agbo tomorrow. And uh, he's an offensive lineman from Washington. I said, he is the most pleasant, person I've ever met in my life. Like genuinely the nicest and like most pleasurable person to talk to I've ever met. And I said, and I want to review back when you're done. I want to hear about it. Um, and so Nick, you were there, you met him. What are your thoughts on, um,
2: on Malik Agbo? Yeah, he's got to be like a top three kid I've ever interviewed before, just full of energy and love. Um, but like I kind of explained to you, he has so much love in his heart that it's hard to tell which schools he actually loves. Um, yeah. Talking to him about multiple schools, he just loves everybody. But uh, he seems pretty interested in Texas. He wants to take a visit. Um, you know, uh, Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Kwiatkowski, they've been kind of a tag team in that Seattle area. Um, and I actually went through our database um, yesterday to see when the last time Texas landed a commit from the state of Washington. And it hasn't happened in the, since 1999, at least. So I would have to go even further back the, to see when the last one was. But uh, that would be kind of monumental if they were able to do that. But, you know, I think they'll get a visit out of him. And um, yeah, and like you said, just an amazing kid.
1: And then Cole Hudson was there as well. We just talked to Cole to Under Armour, and I think, you know, I've got a pretty good idea of where things stand with him. But, I mean, Nick, give me your read on Cole Hudson from talking to him. Seemed a lot like a, maybe like a Texas-Oklahoma battle shaping up.
2: Yeah, I, I get the same vibes. Uh, Texas A&M, I believe, is right there as well. But, um, you know, I'm kind of worried about Oklahoma uh, just because he is planning to go to their spring game, which happens to fall on the same day as Texas at the moment. Um, so, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to read into it too much there, but it's obviously something to keep an eye on. Um, that'll that'll be one that kind of you know starts to separate once visits happen as well. You know, once he comes on campus for his official visit, and once everyone comes on campus for their official visits, things could change. So, uh, that's just one to monitor going forward. Uh, but yeah, shaping up to be an Oklahoma-Texas battle.
1: And the thing I feel really benefits Texas in that race is you know he is very serious about his academics about school, wants to go to business school, has talked specifically about McCombs a couple of times. Um, you know, so if Texas gets that kind of kid, I believe that they've got a package with McCombs that they can sell that not a lot of other schools in the country can. So I think that that's where Texas holds maybe a slight edge.
2: Yeah, I agree. He's uh, he's definitely wanting to, you know, take that business route at the next level. Um, and uh, McCombs, one of the best business schools in the country. So Uh, if he's able to get in and they're able to pitch that towards him, I'm sure that'll help Texas case quite a bit.
1: Nick, you broke, um, I would say, uh, like one of the bigger stories of the week last night um, with, uh, you you talked to a source who indicated that um, in June, there will be some unofficial visits. There is a big 2023 weekend coming together. And the biggest news out of that is from, from what your sources are telling you, um, five-star quarterback Arch Manning could be on that visit to Austin. Uh, go into a little detail and, and kind of tell us, uh, you know, how that all came about and, um, and and what maybe Texas fans can expect out of that weekend.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been hearing for a couple of months now just from, you know, our good friends in the network and uh, Steve Wilfong has done a great job uh, in covering Arch Manning's recruitment uh, thus far. Uh, we've kind of heard that there is, you know, some serious Texas buzz there. I mean, while some other schools are involved, like, Alabama, Clemson, uh, Ole Miss, Tennessee, um, and, and some others. While they are all involved, Texas is right there in the, in the thick of it. Um, you know, and I learned yesterday that, you know, Arch Manning has been developing relationships with kids in Texas, most notably Reuben Owens. Uh, they talk routinely almost every day. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a, a relationship that, you know, Reuben's been able to uh, maintain as well. Um, And that helps tremendously. And they're going to be able to have them both on campus with a lot of 2023 targets in that second weekend of June. Uh, That's what we're expecting at this moment. Um, And, uh, you know, after that, we'll really start to see, you know, what Arch's uh, interest in Texas really looks like. Um, Obviously, his recruitment is going to be really reserved. And I think it's uh, important for a lot of people to understand that uh, going forward. Um, you know, the, the family is not going to want this recruitment to turn into a circus. Uh, and I believe someone either said on the board last night or uh, I had seen it somewhere last night and it was a good point uh, saying that, you know, Arch could very well, you know, shut this recruitment down pretty early and then just, um, you know, ride it out until signing day. And if he decides to make a, you know, a different decision, it probably wouldn't be until signing day. And, uh, you know, that's something I kind of agree with again, the Manning family doesn't want to make this a huge circus. And, but, uh, you know, our, our, guy, Steve Wilfong has been doing a great job in that recruitment. Um, and he's one we're definitely looking at, uh, but, uh, yeah, definitely great news for Texas fans for, uh, you know, Manning to be visiting in June.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I understand that people And rightly so, we're skeptical about Texas being able to land a recruit like this. I mean, he seems all SEC, right, from SEC seems to be in the blood of his family. His father was at Ole Miss, or not his father, I'm sorry, his grandfather was at Ole Miss, his uncle's at Ole Miss in Tennessee, so like, I get it, but when I tell you, I mean, there is some serious optimism in Texas about where they stand in this race. And I I get tired of it. Um, what I get tired of, and I've noticed this kind of this week, is if we don't write something where the kid is like, I love Texas and only Texas, and I'm talking to no other schools, everybody looks at it and says – well, it's, uh, there's no chance that kid goes there. He's just going to go somewhere else. And I get, you guys are hurt. You're, you're hurt by the last year and a half of recruiting. And, uh, you know, you're, you you don't want to love again. You don't want to open your heart again, but you can open your heart again. It's okay. Um, and I think that, yeah, I mean, th- there's always a, I think there's always a tendency to say with a kid like Arch, say he goes through this whole recruitment, right? And Texas is in it all the way. And they're even in the final two. And maybe he picks LSU or something like that at the end of the day. Everybody's going to say Texas never had a shot, but that's just not the case. If that was the case, you could say that about every recruitment in the world. And so I guess that's kind of, we're already getting the, I, I saw somebody even mention, it, you know, after your tweet last night, like, you know, this kid's going to the SEC, right? And it's like, I don't know, man, like they're going to give them a shot. So um, there is a lot of optimism in Austin. I know about it. I'm from, I know from people who have talked to the Manning family, it is a very serious interest in Texas at this point. Um, you know, and I think it's important to know that way back when there was a serious uh, interest in Eli Manning and uh, going to Texas. Now, Texas was a different program back then, but. It's not like the Mannings, the the family has ever never been to this part before. So um, I would say be cautiously optimistic about it, but be optimistic. Um, I think that that is a recruitment Texas can win, especially with a guy like Steve Sarkeesian. So that's my soapbox. Um, I'm sure we, we will start gathering some information on those 2023 guys. Um, and, uh, you know, I – our, our 2023 rankings came out earlier this week. I think we'll, we'll see a lot of guys maybe make that those trips to Austin. Um, Nick, if you – top of your head, I mean, I, I think uh, we could each go with this. One or two guys in those 2023 rankings or in 2023 at all that you think um, maybe already leaning towards Texas. I'm going to – I know a couple that we both know. I'm going to take one so you can have the other. So I don't take all of yours. I'll I'll say Javi and Taviano at at Arlington Martin is the guy that I think, um, you know, maybe early is, is leaning towards Texas. Um, I think that, um, you know, that's a kid that we've discussed. Texas is kind of building that pipeline at Arlington Martin. And um, you know, if they, if they hold on to Travell Johnson and obviously they've got, um, they've got a, uh, Maurice Blackwell, and they've got a shot at getting Ernest Cooper. Um, you know, I think that they can keep making inroads at a program like Martin. And you know, Taviano is a guy that I think uh, you know was really impressed by Texas off the bat. I think that they lead right now, um, but he's going to take some trips, I think, to to decide. But um, he's one guy that I would probably say um, I think right now, if you had to point to it, is leading towards Texas. If I had to pick another guy. Um, I would say Dalton Brooks, probably from from uh, Shiner, um, is another guy I think is could be one of those twenty three guys to shut things down early. Nick, you got one or two guys maybe you could point to in that class that uh, you think the same?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, DJ Hicks, um, defensive uh, defensive lineman from Katie Morton Ranch. Um, I think Texas has done a really good job with him early on, and he grew up. Um, I don't. I'm not sure if Texas was his favorite team growing up, but he grew up a Texas fan. Um, Mikey might be able to, you know, collab with me on that, but, uh, he definitely does hold quite a bit of, uh, Texas interest, um, and Texas has been doing a really good job in getting on it, getting in on him early. And I think he's going to be one of the best defensive linemen in this entire class. Uh, I believe in this, uh, in the ranking, let's see if I can find where he's at, uh, number 31 in the country in the composite already a five-star uh, prospect. So, um, and that's one that Texas is, you know, in a really good position for right now. Um, And then as well as some uh, defensive secondary guys, Javon Thomas, Malik Muhammad, Um, I'm not as confident as I am about Hicks with those two guys, but, you know, Texas has done a good job with those two, um, you know, and I feel pretty good moving forward with those guys.
1: And Hicks is really that type of guy who, you know, kind of the, we've seen him in the past couple of years go to other schools. Um, Well, I, I, you know, I guess you could, you could compare him to a guy like Vernon Broughton, um, but really, the, the versatile type of explosive defensive lineman that, that fans really love. I mean, I, that kid's got some really great ability. And so uh, that's going to be a really important one. And yeah, did grow up going to Texas games from, from everything I know. Texas is the uh, hashtag dream school. I don't know, I'll ruin everybody's night with that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, for Texas, they got to feel really good in that one. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of The State of Recruiting. We'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors.
3: Selling a little or a lot?
4: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash audio. Visit IXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: All right, Nick, we're going to do some basketball stuff. Um, The big news of today as we are recording, Texas made a hire to replace Shaka Smart, and I think it's I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, you know, basketball better than I do. Is it the biggest hire they could have made the biggest splash they could have made in college basketball by hiring Chris Beard from Texas tech?
2: Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, you know, CDC, he put, you know, a big target on uh, Chris Beard's head and he was able to, he was able to grab him. And um, you know, I think getting Chris Beard was probably easier than we expected. Um, all they had to really wait for was April 1st for that buyout to drop by a million dollars, you know, go ahead and save some money while you can, I guess, but um, they, uh, yeah, I think it's a great hire and I'm really excited to see who he brings along with him. Um, There's already reports flying in, you know, as we're recording, Um, Chris Ogden, uh, the head coach from UT Arlington is going to join Chris Beard on staff. I'm also keeping a close eye on Rodney Terry, the head coach at UTEP to join, uh, join him on staff, as well as uh, Ulrich McNaney, um, I believe that's how you say it, uh, a, a assistant coach that he had at Tech. He was really uh, helpful in recruiting the DFW area for Chris Beard. Um, so, you know, once the staff is put together, we'll really be able to, you know, get a good picture of, you know, what this, um, you know, coaching staff can contribute. But it's going to be a call s- Go ahead.
1: I want to say um, Ogden and Terry were Rick Barnes guys, weren't they? Like they were assistants yeah. under Barnes,
2: right? Yes, And, uh, you know, Beard himself was an assistant back in the 90s before Barnes. But, um, you know, he's he's well accustomed with those guys. Uh, A couple of those guys played when he was uh, a graduate assistant with them. So uh, they're all connected. Uh, All these Texas coaches coming to the University of Texas, I think it's going to be, you know, really helpful in recruiting the state. Um, And, you know, that's something that Shaka Smart didn't really do in his six seasons. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It was just kind of his way of going about things. But, you know, it's definitely going to help, you know, get Texas back into the picture with a bunch of uh, uh, high schools here in the state of Texas um, that, you know, consistently produce you know, basketball stars, whether it be Duncanville, where he's been able to grab a couple of recruits in the past uh, few years, Jemias Ramsey, one of them, Uh, Michael, Micah Peavy is another one. And looking forward in 2023, uh, the number one player in the state of Texas, five-star prospect already, uh, Ronald Holland from Duncanville. That's going to be one that, you know, Chris Beard is already in contact with, you know, staying in good communication with. Um, So they're going to be able to recruit the state of Texas really well. Uh, and I think that'll really help their efforts moving forward, but at the same time, they still need to recruit the outside of the state of Texas, bring in some of those guys that, you know, are appealed to the the Texas national brand, Um, and today, I entered a crystal ball already for an in-state prospect in 2022, Anthony Black, who uh, this past weekend announced that uh, he's only going to play basketball at the next level. He was toying with the idea of playing both basketball and football. He was getting some football offers from Uh, some pretty big time schools. I believe his biggest offer was probably Baylor on the football field, but uh, he's just going to shut his football recruitment down, focus on basketball moving forward. And I think it's going to be a good decision for him. Um, He's going to be one of the best combo guards in the country when it's all said and done. He's already having a huge spring on the AAU circuit. I was able to see him last weekend at an AAU tournament, actually, and he had eight steals in the first half. It was uh, uh, quite the show, and that's something you don't really see at an AAU game. So um, he's really active on defense, which I think will help, uh, you know, kind of push forward uh, Chris Beard's philosophy. And uh, we'll see if they can kind of bring some offensive prowess uh, to Texas and it's all going to depend on all these grad transfers that they're going to have to bring in um, because the only guy that I really know for a fact, 100% that will be back next season is Brock Cunningham. So uh, they're going to have to fill, uh, you know, quite a bit of spots with some uh, transfer guys. And um, if they're able to bring over the one Texas tech signee, Jalen Tyson from John Paul, the uh, second, then that'll help as well. But uh, they're definitely going to have to hit the transfer market hard.
1: I think it's uh, I, I, first of all, I'm rooting for it I, I, I'm not involved in covering basketball recruiting, so I can say this: I'm rooting for Texas to get Anthony Black because I know the kid personally, and so uh, any thing that would give me interest in watching college basketball more um, would be Anthony Black playing for Texas. So uh, I'm hoping they get that done. Um, what is the? I mean, you, you kind of mentioned the the task ahead of him. Um, you know, I think that. He's got basically to fill an entire roster from the transfer portal and um, and all that. First of all, is there I I know a couple of guys have asked out of their letters of intent um, that signed with Shaka. Is there any chance he gets those guys back or, you know, I mean, how how big of a task is it going to be to build this roster?
2: It's definitely going to be a tough couple of months and he's going to have to have a staff in place really quick so that they can get to work on it. And I think that's why the staff is coming together so fast is so they can put together this roster, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. we uh, Texas did have one signee uh, under Shaka Smart ask out of his letter of intent uh, on Monday, four-star uh, shooting guard Tamar Bates, uh, which honestly it is a pretty big blow to, to Texas uh, basketball program. Tamar was going to be, you know, a big time contributor in year one, maybe even, uh, you know, had a chance to start in, in year one as a freshman. Um, but he asked out of his letter of intent. He had a really good relationship with Shaka Smart. Um, and the school to watch right now uh, for for tomorrow will be Missouri. Um, and I put in an article today as we're recording on Thursday, I, I'm pretty confident that, um, you know, tomorrow is not going to end up in Austin. He's already getting some big time opportunities. Kentucky has already hit him up since he's asked out of his letter of intent. So, Uh, i believe he's going to go elsewhere but you know it's not the end of the world um there are still three other signees and uh for david joplin uh the the next highest or he would be the third highest rated uh signee in the 2021 class uh four star power forward from brookfield wisconsin um he was able to forge a really good relationship with shaka based on uh shaka smart also being from the state of wisconsin and so, you know, if, if any, when the first news first broke about Shaka, uh, you know, leaving Texas, I was like, well, Joplin's going. But, um, you know, since I've talked to him and some guys around him in, in the past week, I think he's really going to hear this out. Uh, he's going to he, he's excited to get on the phone with Coach Beard and talk uh, uh, talk with him and his uh, his family. Um, so uh, I think Texas can, you know, bring in David Joplin and, you know, secure his signature. Uh, Kian Itijere, uh, three-star power forward from North Carolina. Not too worried about where, uh, you know, Texas stands with him right now. I think he'll end up in Austin. The only one I'm really kind of concerned about at this point is four-star combo guard um, Marion Ellis from Davenport, Iowa. Uh, Shaka was able to grab him before basically anybody knew who he was. And since then, he has shot up the rankings. I believe he's a a top 100 prospect in our composite now, uh, or he's right around in that area. Um, but, uh, he has been having some discussions with, you know, people close to him in the past few days, you know, about what his future is going to look like. And I, I know he wants to end up at Texas, but the situation just has to be right. So if I'm Chris Beard, that's, on, that's probably my first phone call tonight as a Marion Ellis getting him on board and then calling the other two signees and keeping them on board. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what Beard can do and, you know, keeping those three guys on, on board, um, and maybe even bringing in, uh, his, own, his only 2021 signee Jalen Tyson. Um, You
1: did mention that it's it seemed easier than it needed to be. I mean, all I know is what the national headlines say, and everybody's saying for years, you know, you're not just gonna go get Chris Beard, but it did seem pretty easy. I mean, it doesn't seem like Texas had to put up much of a fight. In fact, you know, as we were sitting down to record this, I was reading tweets from the uh, press conference of Kirby Hokut talking about the future of Texas tech basketball and saying that they didn't even really get a chance to match. So, I mean, it seems like a move that, that beard wanted to make. And um, yeah, I think uh, for Texas, it's, uh, you know, uh it's Christo Conte keeps swinging that big hammer, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and I think this is it, people, I know people are mad because they went and got a guy from an in-conference rival, but like that's college sports, the strong eat the weak. I mean, that's kind of how it works. The people with money win. Um, and it's funny because, uh, not to get too political here, but people love capitalism, right? They talk about <laughs> capitalism all the time. This is college sports is the purest form of sports capitalism. You know, it is the, the strong succeed and the weak don't. And, um, I think that what it does it, it, you know, it's always agenda driven. It's always who you like or don't like or hate or don't hate, but this is kind of how it's always going to go. You know, those, those little schools that they think they've got a great little relationship with, uh, uh, with their coach and he's never going to leave. And he called it a dream job. And, uh, you know, money motivates a lot of people, the opportunity to be at a place like Texas motivates a lot of people. So I thought that was funny. The other thing, I read a basketball recruiting article today, Nick, um, believe it or not, Uh, Brandon Jenkins wrote something uh, like, I think like 10 things, Chris Beard must do, um, once he gets to Austin. And one of them mentioned a 2025 point guard. Um, do you know who this kid is?
2: Uh, I actually don't, but Brandon Jenkins does probably better than anyone else in the state of Texas in covering recruiting. He's all over it, um, and he he has been hyping up uh, this kid to me. Uh, he's an eighth grade point guard. He's only five foot eight right now, but he's obviously going to grow. The
1: picture um, he posted, it looks like like a child. Child. I was shocked um, when I read the article. <laughs> um, and I, I don't. I don't, I don't doubt him. I know he knows what he's talking about. I just thought, man, I'm glad I don't have to keep tabs eighth graders in football recruiting, uh, like right now. Like uh, there's very few guys, there's maybe three or four guys that I've seen as an eighth grader and thought, okay, keep an eye on that kid, keep in contact with that kid. But man, that was just a, just an overall thought I had. Um, so yeah, so uh, I guess, Nick, you'll, um, uh, Hornets 24-7 will be the place, um, as this roster has been building, where you all have a lot of news, Brandon Brandon will have a lot of news. We have a, a great basketball coverage team, and Nick does a hell, hell of a job um, covering basketball recruiting um, in a spot where maybe nobody else filled that role before. So uh, I would say tune it to the site, and you will have um, all all that you want on uh, the coverage of Chris Beard. Uh, all right, Nick, anything else before we move on to the mailbag?
2: No, let's do it.
1: All right. As always, you can get your questions into us on the Horns 24-7 message board. Um, or if you want to leave us a five-star review on iTunes, uh, we will answer any question there automatically. Um, Nick, I've got a surprise for you today in the mailbag. Oh, we do have Charles Daniels. He's back in the house. First of all, let me address Charles Daniels. <laughs> I reached out to him. He said, oh, I didn't know you guys were back recording, which lets me know he doesn't he's not subscribed to us um so uh he did come back but he came he comes up and says hi to me as like legitimately he's the first person i see when i walk into the true buzz tournament like i get through the gate and he says hi and i'm like you know me i'm trying to get my back my backpack set and uh, my camera and i'm trying to get my credential on and all that sort of thing and I know exactly who he is. And I say, hey, what's up, man? Good to see you. And like literally thought he would hang around and talk for a second. And when I looked up, he was gone. And he has the nerve to tweet that he saw me but didn't think I recognized him.
2: <laughs> I missed that entire exchange. on Twitter. Yeah, he's like, oh, I
1: saw Mike, but I don't think he recognized me. Oh, well. Um, all right. Anywho, uh, let's get right into uh, right into the show. Um from Texmer27, uh, it may be too early, but gun to your head, who do you think will be the Texas quarterback commit for the 23 class? Malachi Nelson, Arch Manning, or the field? um Great to be careful. Know, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, it is too early. And um, it's a loaded question because I just gave you the lecture that you need to be optimistic about these sorts of things. I think... I think if you're being smart, you would take the field. But I think if you took Arch Manning, I I could understand that pick.
2: Yeah, uh, it's it is too early, but we have. I think we've t- even discussed this on the podcast before. The in-state 2023 quarterback class is not looking too hot right now. Um, you know, I, I really think the only name that I'm keeping an eye on as far as like a you know a major prospect type kid who I think could you know, end up blossoming into one is Bo Edmondson from Lake Travis and then probably Jake Strong uh, from Justin Northwest. Uh, You know, those are really the only two guys I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Um, But it worries me that they haven't popped yet. So Texas is most likely going to have to go out of state to grab a, you know, a 2023 quarterback, which is going to be really interesting considering they had to go out of state to get a 2022 quarterback. Um, But I'm not going to answer the question. But like you said, cautiously optimistic about Arch Manning is is a good thing to have.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. They would, in Steve Sarkeesian's first two years, he would not have an in-state quarterback. Um, from Tyrone Swoops, uh, first question, do you still love me? Yes, Tyrone, you are one of my favorites. You know that. Um, and two, who are your favorite 23 O-line prospects so far? Hmm, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head as far as 23 O-line. Yeah. Um, we got to see the Harris Sewell kid from um, Permian a little bit at the camp. I didn't get a great, um, you know, great look at him. So I can't really go all in there, but he did earn a really big ranking. I know our guys really like him. You know, O-line is one of those positions that that, that hasn't really blossomed in 23 yet. We got guys like Isaiah Robinson and Andre Kojo, a lot of promise, but not a lot of like sustainability. So um I think, you know, um, I, I guess I would say Isaiah Robinson is a guy that I've probably seen the most.
2: Yeah, um, other than those two names, uh, Isaiah Kima from Wohlforth Friendship, uh, he's another guy that landed in the top 247, um, and uh, as well as Caden Carr from Amarillo. Um, he's, he was rated as a three-star prospect this last week. But um, I think the offensive line class in 2023 is shaping up to be a little down Um, Which I don't think will necessarily be a bad thing just because the 2022 class is pretty loaded. So uh, we'll see as, you know, time progresses. But, you know, as of right now, Harris Sewell is probably the, you know, the the prize jewel.
1: It's also important to remember that there are guys who will emerge this year that you have no clue of um, that will become big time names. Uh, (laughs) You know, this time last year, we didn't know Cole Hudson's name. So um, you know, things are, they always kind of emerge. Um, do you, okay. From a uh, nutsbane, do you think given Malik Murphy's struggles so far, is the staff going to push for another quarterback in this class? Um, how would you evaluate his game so far? Um, no, I don't see that happening right now. I really don't. I mean, look, I mean, short of uh, like Quinn Ewers calling up on signing day and wanting to sign, obviously they would let that happen. But, um, I think that Steve Sarkeesian likes Malik Murphy and likes the skill set and believes he can develop it. And um, I do believe quarterback production is a must at the high school level. Um, it's not one of those positions I'm going to tell you that can get by without a lot of production, and I'll just be like okay with it. But I think in in this case, it's a very special. It's kind of a special circumstance with a COVID, a shortened spring season, um, really no no camp to warm up, and and a bad supporting cast. Um, Malik definitely has improvements to make in his game. A lot of them. Um, and a lot of those I think are going to take reps and, and, and opportunities, but, um, I think Texas is comfortable with him, especially with what they have in the quarterback room currently.
2: Yeah. Um, excuse me, I was replying to a text. Um, Yeah, Malik so far uh, in his three games, their offense has been pretty limited, um, but he's consistently getting better, and it's also important to remember that he's been battling injuries in these first three games, he injured his foot in the first game of the season, and he's been kind of battling that since, but you know that's no excuse and he'll tell you that himself, Um, but he is working, he's getting better, Um, I think he's going to have a pretty phenomenal senior season in the fall. Um, and I'm excited to see what he does, uh, you know, in Elite 11 over the off season, and, you know, in some other camps that he, he goes out and attends to. So, you um, know, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that he's not, you know, fully developed before he gets to Austin. Just so Sarkeesian can kind of shape him into the quarterback he wants him to be, I think it will end up being a, a positive thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, from Idaho Horn, which of the 2021 recruits is the best at trash talking? Oh, you're straight sure- – Stretching my brain, uh, 21. How about we do 22? Um, since we're in 22, I don't and I don't want to have to go back and access the 21 file in my brain. Um, I mean, to me, it's uh, Jaden Blue's a pretty good one. Uh, Jaden Blue's a pretty good trash talker. Evan Stewart's a pretty good one as well.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say Evan. Um, I'm trying to think of some others. Uh, Faison Wilson. Um, If we're just talking overall recruits in general, Uh, there's some good ones. There's some good ones. I
1: saw the goat this weekend. It's some kid that plays for DEFCON in Miami. He's like, dude, he was trashing everybody on the field, his team, the other team, his quarterback, his coaches. (laughs) Like I I was blown away by this kid, but uh, he was the goat I've ever, well, J- Jalen Waddles, the goat trash talker, but um, this kid was, was pretty good. Um, from Hookham three, six, one. Hey, Mike and Nick, will Texas just take one quarterback of the twenty twenty two class? Um, also how are other schools recruiting Malik Murphy? Yeah. So we kind of just addressed that in the previous question, as far as how are other schools recruiting Malik Murphy? I don't know if you're asking like, are they recruiting him at a different position? No, he's a quarterback all the way. He's not really an athlete type that you're going to turn into anything else.
2: He he might be asking if you know other schools are recruiting him, and in that case, I'm I'm sure they're trying. But you know, when I whenever I went and saw Malik a couple of weeks ago, he said he's only taken one visit, and it's to Austin, Texas, and he's excited to, you know, enroll in uh, in January, I believe. So um, he's he's pretty locked in.
1: All right, from Riggins Riggs, 33. You guys have said it'll be pretty common for this year for committed guys to take visits to other schools. Could you guys see Quinn Ewers taking an official visit to Texas as an OSU pledge or would a visit from him come in an unofficial secret fashion, or perhaps only after a decommitment? Also, what can we do to get you guys to the poly bowl? That's a great question. Uh, (laughs) What can Mike and uh, yeah, we would love to get there. Um, I would say if Quinn Ewers takes a visit to Texas, it is going to be of the utmost secrecy. Um, And we've dealt with those visits before. Like I've, You know, I recall um, who was it a couple of years ago? Josh White, the linebacker from Side Creek, who ended up signing with LSU, made like four visits to Texas that we never reported because we're asked many times not to report them. And I think it would be something like that um, unless we get the okay from Quinn to put something out uh, or his family, which I don't see happening. So if something's going to happen, I don't see it being public. I would think it would be a very, very top secret. Um, And probably in a way where no other kids are there on the visit that could confirm it. Um, Nothing like that. It would definitely be a one-on-one type of thing.
2: Yeah. It would be an absolute circus. Could you imagine?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it would. Well, and Texas has to be careful too because they do have a guy who is absolutely in love with them and Malik Murphy. And if you start publicly flirting with another woman, you know, you, you risk maybe losing that as well. Uh, hey Mike and Nick I would love to hear who you think Texas is in a sneaky good position with at the 22 or 23 classes Um, and are you still rocking with the Hawaiian wings Mike because barbecue is the best flavor Uh, yes I mean I'm I I like barbecue but yes Hawaiian wings are the best Uh, they are my favorite so um, you know sneaky good position with uh, in 23 I wrote an article today and you can go see it. It's uh, it's Anthony Hill. I think Texas is in a lot better position than they used to be in that recruitment. Um, and so that's a Jeff Banks recruitment. Um, and so I think that uh, I think that that's one to look at in 22, you know, I've been told Texas is in a sneaky good position with Josh Connerly, the offensive lineman from Seattle um, or from the Seattle area. Uh, who recently listed them in his uh, top group, said they'll get an official visit and all those sorts of things. That's another, Nick, Pacific Northwesterner that, uh, that you know, you mentioned there that they could maybe add to the list. So we'll kind of see how that pans out. But those are the guys in those classes
2: I would mention. I'm going down the 2022 offer list just to make sure, you know, I don't miss any. Um, you know, Teforis Jones and Trevante Citizen, both running backs. Um, you know, I think Texas is doing a great job with both of those guys. Um, you know, I think it's at the point where, you know, there's one spot left and it's up for grabs and, you know, either of those guys could probably grab it, um, kind of going down the list here. Uh, you mentioned Connerly, that's definitely one, um, I was trying to find the name of the, uh, uh, the kid that's taking the official visit to, uh, Austin in June from Alabama. Um, and I'm just going blank on his name right now and I can't find him on the list. Uh, Joe, uh, Oh, uh, Finkley. Finkley, Justice Finkley. There we go. Uh, yeah. That's one that Texas is in a pretty good position for, um, you know, obviously tapping into, you know, those Alabama ties, uh, this staff, Jeff Banks and Steve Sarkeesian doing a pretty good job there. So uh, getting him on campus, I think is pretty big. And like we've always said with out-of-state recruits, if they can get him on campus, you know, in, in an official visit type environment, then, you know, that's when we kind of start taking it seriously.
1: All right. Our uh, next question from KC67, uh, does – Kyle flood need to uh, fight to separate himself from the decade of longhorn offensive line underperformance, or do recruits understand that this is something completely new and unrelated to the past? I would say they kind of understand um, that it's, it's completely new. Uh, but I would say most guys have mentioned, you know, his pedigree, um, his record at Bama and, and in the NFL and things like that. So I think they, they do know.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think Kyle flood's going to be able to sell, you know, what he's done at you know, his past stops, including Alabama, uh, a lot more than, um, you know, the history of the the Longhorn offensive line, but I'm sure that there will be an editor to put out on Twitter whenever Sam Cosme goes round one.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, our next question, um, from Mikey Gress six, sorry. I got lost there for a second. Um, where do we stand with Arch Manning? I think we've kind of covered that, um, in, Do you think Texas has the best shot to win him? I wouldn't say the best shot. I I think they're definitely in it, though. Um, And it'll yes, it will take a good season at quarterback. So yeah, I think you answered your own question, Sarah. I'm going to jump to the next one since we've covered that one kind of in depth. Um, Any uh, from Hookham seven seven seven. Any additional? info on the big group of 23 recruits that could be visiting size um, we know that they're they're looking to make it a big group we don't have any other names confirmed yet if that's what you're looking for but we'll we'll
2: try to work on that Nick, um, nick you have anything else on that that visit weekend the, the number i heard is there's going to be eight to ten uh 2023 recruits on that visit so um, i mean names that we're going to be looking for immediately right off the bat jv and taviano dj hicks um, you know, and some other in-state guys, Harris Sewell. So uh, we'll, we'll be sure to, you know, work on that over the weekend. That's one of the many things I have on my priority list right now. So hopefully we'll have that next week.
1: Um, he also asked, what are your thoughts on Anthony Hill's big jump in the rankings? Look, I've said um, on every occasion I can, Anthony Hill was probably pound for pound the best football player I saw last year. Got to see Ryan on a few different occasions and every time Anthony Hill was the best player on the field. And that's tough to do at a place like Ryan when you have Jatavian Sanders and Billy Bowman and all those guys on the team. So um, I think it's well-deserved. I think, he, you know, to me, when we started having our discussions about top guys in the state, Anthony Hill was was kind of an easy choice for me.
2: Yeah, Anthony Hill obviously is going to be, you know, one of the top players in the country all the way up until signing day. Um, his big jump in the ranks, rankings is definitely warranted. I found it really interesting that, um, you know, the rankings committee changed his position to a weak side defensive end. I think that's, you know, pretty accurate. Um, I think he's going to be kind of, you know, the, that hybrid type guy who can, you know, jump back and forth from the linebacker to the defensive line. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he puts his hand in the dirt before it's all over with. So, um, but he's been one of the best pass rushers that I saw all year last year. Um, and, I, that game against uh, Mansfield Summit, uh, specifically, he was just going nuts. And even in the state title game against Cedar Park, um, I believe he had a strip sack and some other big-time tackles. So, I mean, you just watch one Denton Ryan game, and you'll understand why Anthony Hill is so highly coveted. Yeah, absolutely. From
1: fan 7612 transfer portal question, do you expect there to be mutual interest between Texas and Jahari Rodgers? Um, I am checking into that. I don't know where Texas stands on it quite yet. Um, I do know that Jahari did have a relationship with Terry Joseph back when he was being recruited. Um, and obviously he liked Texas a lot. They were the finalists that he picked Florida over. Uh, but right now I would actually, um, say, I, I'm kind of looking at SMU on this one. Um, Rashad samples was a big reason why Texas was in a great place for Jahari Rogers back then. I know that they're going after him hard now and it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up at SMU.
2: Yeah. That's all you on that one.
1: Um Okay. From N.T. Jones, 1484, which side of the ball has the better class in the end? I'm going to say offense. The only reason I'm going to say it is because Sark and Jeff Banks are both on the offensive side recruiting I mean Jeff Banks recruits just about everybody but um, the the draw right now is Sark's offense and so I think if they can get the wide receiver class that they anticipate and put together a good offensive line class I think the offensive line group comes out better.
2: Yeah we better hope that the offensive side of the ball is the better class in the end just because you know the offensive class that they signed in 2021 they're going to have to you know, make up for, uh, you know, some holes that were that were in that class. And, you know, I think there's a really good opportunity already to do that. I mean, with Malik Murphy and Jadon Blue already in the picture, uh, you can just point to those two guys kind of being the reason why it'll be the better class in the end. So, yeah, I would definitely go with the offensive side of the ball as well. But that doesn't necessarily discredit the potential of, you know, what the class could be on the defensive side as well.
1: All right, from Dog 90 um, in your conversations with the 22 and 23 recruiting classes, as it relates to Texas gaining a Commitment, rank the following, life after football, NFL development, education, or product displayed on the field, and relationships. It's important to note that it's very, I mean, it's different depending on who you're talking to. Each kid has a different set of priorities. I would say, by and large, if you just ask me to aggregate um, the most that I hear, I would say relate... Uh, NFL development would probably be one, relationships, two, uh, product on the field, three, education, four, life after football, five.
2: Yeah, I would probably go with a similar ranking. And, y- yeah, like you said, um, every the reason we ask this question to recruits is because every recruit kind of has a different answer. So, um, you know, I've heard each of these, uh, you know, selections being the number one priority for a different kid before. So uh, even in 22 and 23. So uh, it just kind of varies depending on the kid.
1: Uh, from David Hume, if you could have Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning next year, who are you taking and why? Um, this is a tough question to answer. It's too I, early for me to tell, I'll
2: say that right off the bat. You can, yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean. I, so I think the answer I would probably say is Arch Manning because Texas has a quarterback and Malik Murphy that they believe in and they believe they can develop. Um, and so you would want that in 23 as well. Um, when yours has done it at the highest level of, of, um, you know, of high school football in the state of Texas, I do think that, I mean, if Quinn Ewers wanted to come back to Texas, I think that fans would probably forgive him for the decommitment. But I do think there are some feelings out there about Quinn Ewers from Texas fans that are, you know, are what they are. And I think that any amount of adversity he runs into, he could, um, you know, those feelings could resurface. I would say it's probably best at this point, fresh start. And I would say Arch Manning, just from that perspective. Um, all right. Our final question comes to us, as I mentioned earlier. Charles Daniels is back. He hit me this morning with a question. He says, Mike and Nick, it feels so good to be home. I've been away. So I have two questions today. Uh, as both of you know, my son is playing his first season of big time seven on seven being inside the culture like this. I've already seen a ton of craziness. I'm appointing you both as co-chairman of national seven on seven. What is the first change you make to make seven on seven culture better? Um, <laughs> I don't, know that there's like one cure-all rule to change it and i will say this i like seven on seven and i hate seven on seven culture um because the culture has gotten very toxic it has i think in a lot of cases with youth sports you can usually look at the adults as the one who ruin it and week after week i go to these tournaments and i see adults ruining youth sports and and things like that um enabling these teenagers to act the way they do Um, nobody's giving them much, you know, restraint or anything like that. So I guess if one thing I've always kind of looked at is, and it's tough because I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword, but if you had, um, so at seven on seven, most coaches are just guys off the street or their trainers or their dads or whatever. Um, I think that In my case, I would like to see the high school coaches more involved, but I also understand how high school coaches involved in seven on seven, especially at the select level could lead to recruiting at the high school level and things like that. So, um, I don't know that there's one silver bullet rule. I guess I would say here's one rule I have. If your team gets in a fight, you're done for the rest of the year, the entire team, because, um, and I think that that would discourage them from doing it. Um, there's too many, too much nonsense, like fighting at these things because the, the celebrations have gotten so wild that they're like outright disrespectful now. Um, and that's why people get in fights. And so um, I guess if I had to give you one rule that I could like really codify that that's the one.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. And I'm, I'm glad this kind of, this question was presented because I was talking to my good friend Guy Frazier last night, um, our good friend Guy Frazier last night. And, you know, I, I told him, man, I remember being so excited for the seven on seven season back in like December. And I, I even think I communicated that to you a few times, Mike. And now that we sit April 1st, I'm so over it. <laughs> I'm ready for it to be done just because the culture has been really toxic this year. Um, you know, something I could kind of point to, I think that would kind of help, um, maybe like a a overarching rules um, because every tournament has different rules. And I think that blurs a lot of, you know, a lot of lines in the game and it makes, you know, coaches mad at each other and coaches mad at league officials and stuff like that. So I think if we had like a universal rule set for seven on seven, I think that would solve a lot of beef between, you know, coaches and and stuff like that. But it's, yeah. And like you said, celebrations, I think can get a little overboard, uh, you know, at times. And, you know, I've been to a couple of tournaments this, this year and, and in the past year, uh, past year and a half, I guess, um, where they were able to do things right. And, you know, typically at those tournaments, it's where, You know, rules are communicated really well uh, in the very beginning. You know, teams understand what they're doing, and they also understand that if they get in a fight, they're done, and they're done for the entire weekend. So, uh, yeah, I like what you said there.
1: Let me – I'm going to pull my soapbox back out and get back up on it. So you mentioned the rule thing. I think that's a great point because there are different formats and different rules everywhere you go. So case in point, um, this weekend at the True Buzz tournament – Like one of the big rules is if you do something that gets a celebration penalty and you got to do a lot to get a celebration penalty in seven on seven, it usually, um, has to do with like directly taunting somebody or punting the ball, which happens a lot. Like, I don't know why guys would just like punt the, punt the ball. Uh, but if you get it, you can't try your, your, your point after like, that's the penalty. Um, you don't get the point after try. And so whatever, that's the rule well, on Saturday, that was the rule. And there were teams that lost in pool play because of that rule, because they didn't um, I like, I watched a game. It was the craziest game and it took 15 minutes to clear the field afterwards because both sides were trying to fight because one team scored and then, or no, one team thought they, they had the winning score. They punt the ball with when they thought was no time left they get a penalty the other team gets to go they score they go crazy everybody runs on the field they punt the ball but they hadn't scored enough to they were still one point shy and so because they got the celebration penalty at the end of the game didn't get to try their extra point and didn't get to tie the game so they just lost like that and it was crazy like there were fights afterwards and um adults screaming at referees and things like that and um So that was the rule on Saturday. Well, on Sunday, I'm sitting there uh, watching Flex play the Miami Immortals. The Immortals get a a penalty on the first touchdown because the kid catches it, walks over to a kid on the ground who dove and spins the ball right in his face. So they throw a penalty. They line it up on the 20 and say they can have the point after. Well, um, you know, one of the Flex coaches brings it up and the referee goes, oh, we just changed that rule today, like mid-tournament. Uh, change the rule to instead of losing the extra point. Now you just get to do it from the 20. So like, it's just, I mean, you know, when you're doing that, it's, it's insane. All right. The second part of his question is who is the Texas recruit that UT fans are most excited about, but we have the least chance of gaining a commitment from and why is it Harold Perkins? I don't (laughs) think it's Harold Perkins. Um, I think it's a Mario boar. Like I, I, I think that that's the guy I would point to um, in that position.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Um, You know, if you had asked me six months ago, I would have said Denver Harris, but I no longer believe that, you know, Texas is not in a bad position with him anymore. Um, (laughs) That's funny, though, that he mentioned Harold. Um, Yeah, I'd probably go with Amari as well. Um, Man, I mean, I'm trying to just think of another one. Uh, Quinn Ewers, for all the Quinn Ewers uh, flip fans out there, you can go with him as well. Yeah,
1: still a lot of those kind of guys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that'll do it for the uh, mailbag. We appreciate Charles Daniels coming back from the dead and and joining us. Um, Nick, anything else before we get out of here today?
2: No, nothing. Uh, Just excited for another busy week and, you know, going out to uh, see a seven-on-seven tournament in Oklahoma. So uh, going north of the border.
1: Oh, you'll be at C4 this weekend. Okay, I'm going to take the weekend off because it's Easter and I've been running like five weekends straight doing seven-on-seven. Like literally it's been Vegas uh pylon dallas uh i think under armor atlanta you know and then the last two weeks also so i need a weekend and my wife needs me home for a weekend so um i'm gonna stay home uh all right we appreciate you guys for listening we appreciate you guys for playing along um we uh we hope you like like the show as always tell a friend about it get get some other people involved help us out with our uh, our podcast rankings for nick harris i'm mike roach we'll see you guys next week